Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, another awful scene in one of America's major cities and on such a celebratory day, of course, talking about the shooting that occurred at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade and celebration yesterday with one dead, a local DJ, and some 22 injured, um, including uh, eight that uh, police said had life-threatening injuries. And there's nine children that were hit, too, or injured. Some were injured, too, in the stampede that followed, but it's just, it's it's a horrific thing. And it happened at the end of the parade right outside their Union Station, um, and luckily the two gunmen were caught three i thought were in custody okay um and uh, one of them uh, was tracked down in video i'm sure many of you have seen by now by a couple of uh celebrants couple kansas city chiefs fans that saw somebody running and one guy jumped him and then he squirmed away from that guy and then another guy helped and then the other the first guy got on top of him again and they had him pinned down for not very long. It took only about 30 seconds, maybe a little bit less, for police to arrive and take that individual into custody. But one of those who sprung into action, those good Samaritans, uh, his name is Paul Contreras, and here's what he said, this description of what occurred. One guy was hollering, saying, you know, stop him, or catch him, you know, tackle him, whatever. And he's just, just bailing running. And out of nowhere, I heard that guy hollering, so I'm just like, okay, well, I'm right here. And I just, I didn't even think about it. It was just a reaction. I didn't hesitate. It was just, just do it. So I went to go tackle him, and another gentleman did the same thing. And as I'm tackling him, I see his weapon either fall out of his hand or out of his sleeve because he was wearing a long jacket or like a Carhartt. So when I seen that hit the ground, I'm like, oh, you know, we got to take this guy down. And so... Like I said, I did, and another good Samaritan did, and we held him down. And it seemed like forever, but it probably wasn't. It was like 30 seconds holding him down, and me and the other gentleman are hollering at ongoers, you know, where's the cops? You know, get the cops over here, get the cops over here. You know, we got them. And and you know what I want to see next year at a Chiefs game? I don't want to see cutaways of Taylor Swift in the Kelsey family box. I want to see Mr. Contreras. And the other hero who tackled those gunmen in the press or in, in, you know, the owner's box. She'll cut away of them because they're true Americans and they helped out and they saved so many lives. Uh, I'm sure the, the Hunt family will recognize them. It was uh, Chris Jones quality tackle there uh, from uh, Contreras and the other guy. Uh, and, and then, of course, uh, we want to know more, not just about the condition of the victims, uh, first and foremost, uh, and those who acted heroically in the moment, but also. 
the shooter's motivation, particularly since there were multiple shooters, it would appear based on those suspects in custody. And so what was the motivation? What was the level of coordination? Obviously, there was a massive police presence uh, in Kansas City yesterday, and still they chose that venue with that much police presence to open fire. Yeah, ABC reported that there was up to 800 local, county, state, federal law enforcement officers, and yet it was still, what, a soft target? I mean, it was around 2.30 while the parade was ending, but still. And the woman that was killed, we've got to mention her name. Her name is Lisa Lopez-Galvin. She's the DJ that you mentioned. Um, She worked for KKFI, a nonprofit community radio station in Kansas City, and she survived by her husband and two adult children. Yeah, and I'm sure, obviously, Mike Scott will be updating information as it becomes available from law enforcement there, including on the condition of the victims. But um, those suspects in custody, if those are indeed the shooters, and as you heard from Paul Contreras, a gun fell out of that guy's hand or out of his jacket sleeve after he was tackled and he was fleeing. So a pretty good chance that he had something to do with the, uh, the violence that occurred, that he was one of the perpetrators. And so just one wonders again, I mean, uh, I don't want to preordain what Kansas City law enforcement will or won't do. But remember, the mayor of Kansas City is a Democrat, right? Uh, very much like the Democrats and uh, that are in charge of most of America's major cities. And we we know how these things are handled depending on the truth of the situation, including the truth of the assailants. For example, um, Lakewood Church that Joel Osteen church shooting over the weekend, mm-hmm. that regardless of whether uh, this had happened yesterday in Kansas City or not, that story was going to get marginalized very quickly because of the profile of the shooter. And Houston police seemed more interested in the pronouns by which the assailant ascribed than they were about the particulars of the attack that left her son dead. Um She's a woman who identifies as a man. That's a her, her son. She's a biological mother, her son. Who was going through a divorce, who had free Palestine on on her weapon, which if she went to Palestine, they'd throw her off the roof of a building. But okay. She was also had an ICE detainer back in 2010. She's an El Salvadorian immigrant. We don't know much about that. Um, So, I mean, all of these things, you know, as we've talked about, Many times, as all of these these terrible events that we've covered on this show, we've been compelled to, uh, the um, intersectional score of the assailants matters. The Nashville, Tennessee school shooter, uh, any of the incidents involving those of the alphabet army on the gender identity spectrum uh, treated differently I mean, they're almost it's almost as if the press is disappointed. They're rooting for uh, events like this to happen and for the assailant to fit their narrative about white supremacy, of course. And so, unfortunately, this is not just a public safety matter and policy related to public safety, although that's part of it because of who's in charge of these cities. And their particular attitude toward public safety. We know this all too well in Chicago. And and I got to tell you, I but also the but 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 also the identitarian politics of it and the way that the press treats it 
thus what the public understands about these events. Well, I stayed at a hotel right across the street from that Union Station for a volleyball tournament, and that is a shady part of town. So I kept thinking all day, like, God, is this a gang-related shooting, or is this domestic terrorism, or are these people that we let in through the border that, that I mean, uh, Christopher Ray did say that there is going to be, you know, be on alert. Everybody be on alert because we could be under attack by well, terrorists. Well, we, we, we have no idea. That's the point is law, right, law enforcement know. needs to be transparent in what they understand about uh, what went down and the motivations and the particular backgrounds of the individuals in custody, particularly if when they move from suspect to charging, if that occurs with with uh, all due speed. Bill and Glen Allen, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. I saw three photos of what might be the three suspects. And if what I think is hold, holds up. You're going to find that these guys had long criminal histories of violence and felonies, and they were released over and over again because it doesn't have the hallmarks of an actual mass public shooter. It looks like these guys were in the crowd, saw each other, couldn't control their impulses, and started shooting at each other in the crowd, which is why how why it went down the way it did. But, you know, we'll see when it happens. Possibly. If it, it is this way, they're going to be... The Democrat Party judges and prosecutors let these guys go over and over again, and now they have this. And this story is going to disappear if that's true. It's done. Thanks for the call, Bill. You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560. Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, Signature Bank. Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So updating the story about the end of ShotSpotter in Chicago, not re-upping the contract, uh, BLM Brandon announced. I feel a panic attack coming on uh, because I uh, don't need it. I uh, can put that eight, nine million bucks a year to better use uh, funding violence interrupters, his friends, so forth. Um, but, you know, they were going to extend it beyond, extend the contract beyond the DNC just to be on the safe side. Which, of course, led to the obvious questions from Alderman. Well, if you need it through the DNC, then why don't we need it altogether? And if we don't need it, then why do we need it tomorrow? Well, uh, the uh, folks at ShotSpotter get a say in this, too, and people forgot. Jason Lee, who is one of well, BLM Brandon's advisors. He kind of runs great. the show, don't you think? Uh, certainly one of them, yeah. Um, they talked about the extension. Uh, this, is, you know, this was a thoughtful policy decision. 
Uh, there's foresight that was used in coming to this conclusion. Of course, these are uber competent people. And uh, Jason Lee, on the, as was queried about the timing of this, uh, the uh, policy decision is to make sure there's time for this orderly transition. Yeah, right. ShotSpotter is integrated into certain police activities. The Chicago Police Department needs time to get officers ready for transition. You don't want to have an abrupt discontinuity of a platform that's being used widely across 12 districts. So that was the right policy decision, one, to move away from ShotSpotter, but to do so in a way that doesn't create upheavals or disruptions in operations. Well, um, gosh, Jason, I, I know you couldn't see this coming. I mean, who could? And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but ShotSpotter said, no, we're not interested in extending it for another six months beyond the DNC. It's done. Our Friday. service is over as of tomorrow at midnight. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro. Answer line 64636. Type in DA, then a quick question. Yeah, Marianne Ahern at NBC5. She broke that story that, yeah, they're, um, we're done. We, you know, you don't want us? Then we don't want you. And we're going to stop it at midnight. And yeah. I, I, it's, Chicago is not going to be a safer place. This is a horrific idea. I spoke to more cops yesterday. It's like, this is People will bleed out. This is all we have. I mean, this is, you know, they can call 911, but things get lost in the phone call. If we see it right away, whatever district we're at, we just go to the scene. Yeah, well, um, the orderly transition. This is all carefully planned. We have a handle on these things. Really, it it turns out, per the terms of the contract, as I understand it, there was already two contract extensions. There was no provision for another contract extension, so it was either renew or walk, and they chose to walk. So not only um, was this, um, well, I mean, for forgetting the po- the policy uh, import of this, they they knew this contract was up, and there was no room for another extension. So they knew this in advance of the last. Uh, they knew this in advance of of this moment because they knew that after they extended it on a temporary basis last time. You got two extensions, and then that's it. You either re-up or you walk. They knew that. So, uh, yes, the combination of the the incompetence with the ideological. But, but again, um, all of the hue and cry from certain quarters, um, that is offset by the celebration in other quarters. I mean, not, not, you know, it's not just BLM Brandon, you know, that's... Right, other progressives are excited about that. I don't know what they're excited for. I don't know what they th- why they thought ShotSpotter was racist. They said it's mostly predominantly black neighborhoods. No, we have a ShotSpotter. We have shootings at Ashland and Irving. We had a gangbanger, a 16-year-old Asian kid, was shot. That was last year. But ShotSpotter helped detect uh-huh. what was going on. But shots yeah. were being fired the whole way. You know, it was com- mutual combatants, Dan. I don't know if you remember that one. From Irving, you know, the lake uh, from 90 all the way to... Irving and Ashland, 70 rounds fired. So a lot of shot spotters were going up. But real quick, Jason Lee said, um, yes, the DNC factored into the decision, but he refused to rule out the possibility of hiring a new gunshot detection vendor to replace shot spotter. Well, you better hurry up because you're on the clock, buddy. Yeah, right. Um, Here's uh, uh, Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa. He's uh, one of the members of the communist caucus he likes to push around the elderly black female all the humans you remember um i applaud the grassroots organizers particularly the black and brown youth who continue championing true community safety and whose advocacy makes today's sound public safety decision possible 
so you you have to understand what you that statement from Carlos Ramirez Rosa, that is the prevailing opinion by the Chicago power structure. So you can talk to police and you can hear from Snelling and you can hear from Canton Zara and you can hear from uh, uh, paramedics and you can hear from, you know, certain quarters of the city, oh, the business community, so on and so forth. Does not matter. What is unclear to you about who is in charge of the city? It should be as clear to, I mean, people are just wrestling with the new Jerusalem downtown, aren't they? Mm -hmm. It is as clear, and and it was during the election, which is why, not to be immodest, I told you Brandon Johnson would win, and I gave you the margin. It it was as as clear what's been happening in the city over the last 20 years, and the last 10 in particular, leading to that moment last year in the mayoral election, and leading to these moments that we've been documenting. It is as clear who's in charge as it was when Daly and the Irish were in charge. It should be that clear to you. It's not. I mean, People don't believe it. We had 44,000 incidents of gunfire detected just last year. All right, so to suggest it doesn't work, what was that, 44,000 fireworks going off or um, cars backfiring? No, it was 44,000 incidents of gunfire just in one year alone. We've had this program in place for six years. And again, that's all really interesting. How is the, uh, the reality that they're creating, which runs afoul of the reality that people are living, how is it any different than what's happened previously? Um, you'll, you'll remember a Mayor Daly, Richard M., you know, led the charge for gun bans. That was his response to violent crime. Wasn't it? Oh yeah, the twenty-five year gun ban we had. What? What? Wasn't that? Am I? Am I misremembering? What? Did? Didn't? Didn't we get jawboning from a relatively inarticulate little Irishman for most of the last forty years uh, on the topics? The the policy was different. How? No, it wasn't different. The distribution of the spoils of office was different. That's it. Yeah. The the philosophical disposition to be transactional as opposed to ideological. That's a bit different yesterday versus today. But I mean, I mean John Cass used to write these columns in the Tribune, you'll remember, where when Daly was asked about uh, clout, political clout being used when it came to this job or that contract, what clout Cloud, what are you talking about, cloud? This is the sort of response you got from the power structure under Daly and Tiny Dancer. And now uh, he doesn't understand what's going on in the city. Sure he does. His agenda, not your agenda. But are you confused about who's in charge still? Greg in Jefferson Park. Hey, good morning, guys. Then Brennan Jens is just going to sit there and talk about how uh, this company is run by a bunch of Republican right-wing extremists, racists, and uh, MAGA cultists. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah. And when that, uh, you know, more people's brains are splattered all over the place, and the police uh, can't find, you know, the the uh, scumbags that are doing this, that's going to fit right into Brandon Johnson's uh, program. You know, more killing, more blood, more gangs, 
more violence, more drugs. It just never ends. It's unbelievable. Have a good one, guys. Yeah. Right. It's the only hope we had. And 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 I'm sorry, what, people are going to be up in arms about this now as opposed to, I don't know, at any particular point in the last, say, 40 years? Because why? This is the uh, hill that people are going to die on, shot spotter. Pun in, pun, no pun intended in that case. It's a, this is it. <laughs> and there's going to be some sort of revolt. Does, does, do, do people believe that? No, there's not going to be a revolt. Right. So this is just the bitching de jure. De jure about well, what else the, are we going to do? The, about the policy de jure. I mean... No, no, right. There's nothing anybody can do except bitch. No, I know that and that and that I know that comforts those who do nothing but bitch. Fine. That, it's fine by me. I'm just I'm just here to describe it. I know Craig you said and, you said yesterday you got off the boat, but I did you get off the boat because people you love like your family and friends are still on the boat. Yeah, I know. So are you off the boat? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm not uh, I'm not rowing in the well, I know it's a metaphor for something, but I just was I'm, I'm interested. About it I'm, in, I'm interested in rowing a boat. Okay, not sitting in one. <laughs> and uh, the people I'm talking about yeah. are just interested in sitting about in a boat a, in the middle of the sea and saying, um, "Hey, uh, when's somebody going to do something about our situation?" And then uh, a, a coast guard comes by and they wave them off. And then a, a private boater, I mean, to continue this right. torture metaphor, and then a private boater comes off, comes by, and they wave him off. You're too rich. That's a, that's a rich man's boat. Get out of here. We don't, be saved. Boat. Yeah. we don't want to be saved by you. You're a white supremacist. Uh, you shouldn't have that boat. I should have that boat. Oh, wow. They scream at the people trying to help them, and they ridicule them, and they say, you're the problem. Okay, well, then sit in your boat. Sit there and bob up and down. Uh, I'm going back to shore. Yeah. So when my point is to say, which I've said all along, is as soon as somebody wants to do something for themselves, there are people that are willing to help. But you want to sit back and watch people try to save them, save, you know, save others from themselves without their help while being ridiculed and Monday morning quarterbacked. There's not a lot of interest for that, surprisingly. Myself included, because I've done that thing before. And the response you get is, you did this wrong, um, you're this, you're beholden to that. Okay, fine. Just sit and sit in your boat and bob up and down. I hope you have enough food, water. Text message, Dan and Amy, please explain how this technology is racist. What do you mean it's racist? Everything's racist. Everything. It's racist because it catches a disproportionate percentage of black and brown, particularly black young men, shooting. Right. Even though they're the ones that are doing the shooting. Doesn't matter. Anything that is anything that is not that is overrepresentative of a demographic, particularly black, the black demographic, is inherently racist. What do you mean you don't know how it's racist? Everything is racist for that exact reason. They just rinse and repeat it. If you don't, I mean, how do you respond? How do you even think about responding 
or trying to upend a power structure that you pretend not to understand or or I mean, you're willfully blind if you don't understand it. They couldn't be more clear. They couldn't be more explicit about their views, their program, their ideology. I mean, did you see this movement? I, I, this is going to be the next one. What? Well, what now? Uh, let's get on board for the rerun. What, the rerun? Not rerun. Re- hey, not, hey, don't make Fre- me do my rerun. Not Fred Berry. Reran for blacks. Reran for blacks.com. What is reran, you ask? What is reran, Dan? Right. Why does why does Dan Proft, Florida resident, know about this, and and very few people listening, much less anybody in your circle of friends, knows about this? Right, reranforblacks dot com. Reconstruction era reparation act now, oh. not tomorrow. Now, mm. a reconstruction era reparation act now, reran, created uh, last year by Black Chicagoans because they're losing their homes due to the increase of county and city property taxes. <laughs> Welcome to the party. Uh, actually, and it's honkies like me who've been documenting the taking of people's property through the confiscatory property tax system, particularly in places like uh, the Southland, South Cook County, for uh, decades. But I'm the white supremacist, and the reran group are the heroes. Okay, so here's what their solution. You want to hear the reran 2023 solution? I'm waiting. Black Chicagoans pay no property taxes as part, <gasps> part, just part. Part, part, oh. part of reparations. Yeah, that's not going to sit well with a lot of people. I can't wait till uh, BLM Brandon takes it up. I think it's a great idea. Why? Distribute the spoils of power to your constituents the same way that mayors of your have done. What's the difference? What's the difference between giving, uh, uh, you know, GF structures and Michael Tadden uh, sweetheart deals and, and just doing it for an entire community? It's probably cheaper. The reran program. Oh my god! Yeah, so that's 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 where that city is at. That's the response to the extent there's any organized response, as far as I can discern. But please feel free to correct me because I know everybody gets excited and these these outlets pick this up. And I appreciate the T.O. Hardimans of the world and and others. But I mean the idea that there's some revolt going on to because. Tio Hardiman says something that is not consistent with the orthodoxy of the power structure. And then we pick it up and Breitbart picks it up and so on and so forth. Oh, Democrats are revolting against. No, they're not. They are not. Here's what they're doing. They're doing re 2023. No property taxes for blacks as part of reparations. That's the response. The response on the mic is, oh, there's a there's a revolt against the power structure. over. No, there's not. There's a revolt that says. We better get ours. We're first in line. That's fine if you want to give other people stuff, too, but we're first and we get more. And you you, you think that represents some sort of threat to the current power structure? No, it represents a endorsement of the approach. That's what it represents. Craig in Mount Greenwood. Oh, hey, good morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, thanks for grabbing the call. Yeah, I can put some meat on the bone, I think, for you as far as understanding why uh, the left, leftist people in charge in these cities, I mean, want to get rid of that uh, shot spotter. Um, my family affiliation here with uh, uh, members in the police department has let me to, uh, get into uh, police stations, see it, 
they've showed it to me how it works and all that and right along stuff. That system is very elaborate. It's tied in with audio and visual. I mean, immediately, the system hears the shots. It can identify what caliber of gun, everything. And then they can immediately look and see on the uh, uh, visual. And that. So they could, this help, helps tremendously in solving crimes. It's not just people bleeding out of me. They can see things that are going on. Because yeah, I, I, yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. I, we get it. We get it. Thanks for the call, Craig. We get it. It's a tool for police. It's a tool for police to catch criminals. That is not the agenda of the power structure, the civilian power structure in the city of Chicago. What is unclear about that? Because then police catch criminals and all of a sudden Kim Fox has to do something about those criminals that have been referred for charges. And it just creates a big burden. And remember, we're the defund the police crowd. Right. <laughs> oh, I did you forget? We want social workers to replace uniformed police. We want alternative sentencing. We want no cash bail. What is unclear about the agenda? Don't you get it? This is going to impede the police's ability to catch criminals. Don't you get it? Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. Hear about the big stories of the day. Then talk about them right here on Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Business owners, now's the time for your business to make the move to a locally owned business bank. Hi, Mike Gallagher here to let you know that you don't have to look far. Signature Bank was founded in Chicago with a simple mission to help companies like yours grow, succeed, and thrive. Their decisions are made locally by a terrific team that knows your name, cares about your business, and invests in your success. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. So, I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630. And learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630. Or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So uh, we're just a little over a week away from the primary in South Carolina. I don't know if you've been paying attention because it's not going to be much of a primary election, at least not for Nikki Haley. It's a week from uh, Saturday, February oh, yeah. 24th. Uh, so uh, they're both out there on the stump uh, and on the talkies. Uh, Nikki Haley had sort of a moment with John Roberts on Fox News where he sort of, sort of put it to her. Um, what is the point of your candidacy is essentially what he asked. Take a listen. At the moment, it looks like you're going to go into that contest and lose badly in your home state, which would forever be a cloud over your political career. Why go through with it? So first of all, um, that's what they said before New Hampshire, and I got 43% of the vote. Our polls do not show that. That is not what we're seeing, and we're going to close that gap. But more than that, you're asking me about my political career. That's the problem with politics. Donald Trump's worried about his 
image. Joe Biden's worried about his image. I'm not worried about mine. I'm worried about the future of America. I'm worried about my kids and what country they grow up in. I'm worried about your kids and what country they grow up in. This isn't personal. It's not about me or what happens to me. This is about the fact that if we don't see how bad this can get, it's already bad. If we don't become part of the solution and realize that we can change it, that's the problem. I will say again, don't complain about what happens in a general election if you don't play in this primary, because Donald Trump cannot win a general election. He's already said he's going to spend more time in court than on the campaign trail. He spent $50 million of campaign contributions towards his personal court cases. The RNC is broke. We Republicans will not win if you continue down this path. The reason Donald Trump wants me to get out so badly is because he wants help paying his court okay. fees. That mm. is not the job of the RNC. That's not the job of taxpayers. All right. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro, answer line 64636, type in DA, then a quick comment. What else was she supposed to say? I mean, she could have said, yeah, you're right, I'm, I'm dropping out. <laughs> Well, I understand she's not going to say that, but, right. um, you know, we need to be I mean, it's all these uh, all this political can't. I mean, first of all, the idea that this is, you know, her her newfound genuine concern for the future of the country under President Trump, under whom she served and applauded is, um, well, strains the bounds of credulity, to be polite. Uh, that's number one. Number two. Us, if we're not part of a solution to make the change, I'm, wh- what is the solution? What is the change? I don't know. I'm just, I'm the solution for change. And you impute uh, into that phraseology whatever you'd like. Whatever you want. I mean, this is Obama-esque. Whatever you want, that's what I am. Whatever you think I am that's positive, that's what I am. Uh, where you think I'm aligned with you, I am. Because I'm the solution for the change that you want. <laughs> text message worry about your image too nikki please go away well she could limp on to to march 2nd to super tuesday but i mean um uh or my what is my march 9th i march think i'm a 9th. week off um but okay, we'll get there but i mean she, she won't but we'll be there i mean do you understand at the national level trump has a larger lead over nikki haley than joe biden has over marianne williamson who is that mystic whose campaign is suspended. So, I, I mean, that happened while I was off. I didn't know I fell out of it. Yeah, she's sorry. Devastated. Dad. She's not going to make it across the finish line this time around either. But I mean, so it really what is the point is so that I can, I don't know, get a, a bigger, better book deals and stay relevant. And if Trump loses, then I can say, I told you so and try and make a comeback in 28. I mean, though, that's though that's what's honest. That, that would be that would be honest. I know you can't say that, but maybe you could come up with a, an actual rationale for your candidacy, like a vision for uh, what America could be, where it could go, uh, what we need to do to realize whatever vision she has so something a little bit more than. I'm the solution for the change you're seeking. <laughs> that requires a little bit more definition, does it? And the other piece of it, too, much like DeSantis, Trump can't win. Well, the problem with that line of argumentation is that he's winning. Right. I'm not saying, oh, I can win by more. Uh, yeah. You know, 
he's winning, and he's winning in states that we didn't even think would be competitive going into this cycle, like Pennsylvania and Michigan. And they may turn out not to be. But right now he is. And Biden is flailing. And the perception, and, and I think there's a little bit too much overconfidence right now, the perception that is um, Biden can't win, which is why there's all these conspiracy theories out there about who's going to replace him that could win. So, I mean, it's just it's just not credible. There, there's not enough evidence to support the claim that she's making. And then as she gets off on this riff about the 50 million he spent in, in legal defense and so forth. So but what? but yeah. but that's right. But that's also that's also saying, right, he has to. The, the point there is and the way I receive it, and I'm sure a lot of Trump supporters do, too, or Republicans in general is, yeah, look what the left is doing to him. He's they've conjured up four phony indictments that have forced him to raise and spend $50 million in legal bills. And, and that doesn't even include the civil cases and uh, appear in court and spend all that. That's wrong. That's wrong. He's got to appear in court today with a Stormy Daniels thing. Yeah, right. And, and, and there's the, also the, a case in Fulton County where they might disqualify Fannie Willis. That's today, too. So it's like the, you got to keep up every day, folks. Yeah, but 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 the messaging on that, like it's Trump's fault. Some of this, you could argue, is self-inflicted, but not not to the extent that it should have risen to the level of, of criminal indictments. But, but, but I mean, do you understand how tone deaf that is? She's saying that kind of stuff against the backdrop of this blockbuster story we talked about yesterday. That, of course, the D.C. press corps is doing its best to ignore. Brought to us by Matt Taibbi and. Michael Schellenberger. And by the way, remember, Matt Taibbi is the guy who wrote the book Insane Clown President on Donald Trump. These are we've we've had both on the show several times. Schellenberger, former leftist environmental activist. I mean, these this these are the Woodward and Bernstein's of the 21st century. God love them. And and they both Nobody cares about this missing binder. And they both have no uh, particular affinity for Trump, which uh, I, I would think would enhance their credibility. But because they're saying the wrong things, it doesn't matter the quality of their work. It doesn't matter what they actually believe. It doesn't matter that they're doing reporting averse to their own political dispositions, which is something to consider. Um, and so so 50 he's spending 50 million dollars and and this and this. Instead of focusing, Nikki Haley, the former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. and foreign policy chops because of her her uh, time in that post. And she just blithely ignores what's happening and what we know has happened with the deep state. And where's been the Nikki, you know, if you want to give me, if you want me to give advice and counsel, Nikki Haley, where's Nikki Haley's definitive treatise on the deep state? Yeah, she could use this platform that she has right now to talk about that. And she's I mean, not. She, she's like her head's in the sand. J- just to repeat this story because it's that important. So the Russian collusion investigation, everything that transpired in 2016 and for the first three years of Trump's presidency, the story is it wasn't something that the intel community happened upon it was something that they invented and instigated from the outset that's a big deal obama hillary clinton john brennan they invented this 
and then presented it to the FBI and then presented it to the media. I mean, it was all they're playing the FBI against the media and just it was just all a big lie. Schellenberger not playing the FBI against the media. They were all, all were in on the manipulation game. I mean, certainly the the the, the media wasn't as, asking any untoward questions. They weren't they were just there to amplify whatever was coming out of right. this orb inside Intel, the Intel community. Michael Schellenberger Michael Schellenberger was on with uh, Jesse Waters, as was Taibbi yesterday. Uh, here, let him sort of uh, recount the story that they did. These are people that are close to the House intelligence investigation of how the Russia collusion hoax began. The story, as you mentioned, was that, oh, we were just informed by foreign intelligence about this. Our sources tell us a very different story, which is that this was initiated by the U.S. government. It came from within the U.S. government's intelligence community, including the CIA, that they asked the so-called Five Eyes Nations intelligence agencies, that's the other English-speaking nations, including Britain and Australia, to spy on 26 Trump associates, or at least they had a list of the 26 associates that were identified. This is new information. Some people have theorized about this and speculated about it. Uh, we feel very confident that our sources were in a position to know and are very credible in this report. And it's obviously a very serious allegation because this is illegal spying and it's illegal election interference. Gosh, that doesn't sound like a crew that's going to save our democracy, does it? 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comment. And now the next level. The next level is... That one of the documents or binders that uh, may have been in the possession of Trump that was confiscated when the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago was a binder uh, containing documents that detailed what they did. Yep. It incriminates so, the intelligence community for their illegal spying. So and maybe they've got uh, Romney's binder full of women in there, too. But but this the binder. The, that Schellenberger, you'll hear him discuss. So, right, that if that was the predicate for the raid, which was the predicate for the criminal indictment of uh, President Trump, right. then you want to talk about fruit of the poisonous tree. This this all goes back to a fifth column action to exactly what Michael Schellenberger said to spy illegally. To interfere with the 2016 and 2020, I would add, election illegally. When it persisted for three years into the Trump administration, that's interfering with the forthcoming election. There has been widespread speculation that this binder was the was the reason or a reason for the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago. And we'll be discussing that tomorrow but obviously, if this binder contains what we have been told that it contains, which may include raw intelligence, information showing that the U.S. government, the CIA and the intelligence community of the U.S. government, initiated the Russia collusion hoax, that it did not occur in the way that the official story, including the Durham investigation, had portrayed it, then that's extremely serious information. And it may be if the FBI then went to go get it in order to continue the cover-up of this information, that obviously adds an even more dramatic wrinkle to this. Again, we'll have more to say about it tomorrow, but this is a huge, huge story. I mean, I can't, I've been thinking about it in the history of the United States of America 
Have we ever had something like this where the intelligence community was weaponized against a political candidate and and using our foreign allies to do it? I, I can't think of a more important or dramatic story. God, they would do anything to take Trump down. Ugh. Involving foreign governments to uh, interfere with the U.S. election for the purpose of rigging it for their candidate of choice. Right. Can you think of anything more serious? No. I can't. Is this getting the sort of airing it deserves? No, Heck no, it's not. We're, we're, what instead, if it was we're, reverse, vice versa. My God, it'd be all over the media. And instead, uh, where Republicans yesterday, there you got uh, the Homeland uh, Intel Committee Chairman Mike Turner talking about wanting to uh, release information about a reported national security threat that involves a Russian nuke program to take out satellites, take out our satellites in space. Oh, that really? So you don't want to talk about this? Uh, you and and by the and way, there's a mass shooting at a parade in Kansas City. Well, 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 uh, no, no, no. You, you, this, this, that, that is a domestic uh, law enforcement issue, and it's a cultural issue. The shoot. I'm talking about a republic. I'm talking about free and fair elections. If you don't have free and fair elections and you don't have religious freedom, you don't have a free society. And 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 Mike Turner. And by the way, this is all against the backdrop of the push again to re-up Section 702 of the FISA Act to allow for basically the open-ended spying by these same law enforcement and intel agencies. Well, the FBI in particular, because they afforded themselves so well during the Russian collusion hoax, didn't they? I mean, come on. First of all. The, the, I mean, the Mike Turner uh, sort of insinuation of a revelation is not anything that a lot of people don't know. And, 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 and so he wants this to be more, uh, more fully disclosed in the public so we can debate it. Why? Are we going to have a plebiscite about what to do about it? No. How about this? How about as it pertains to election integrity in a free society? And what are we getting from the Republican Party on this? Not a lot. Crickets. It's stunning. All the talk. And, 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 and again, frankly, for all the people who said the election was rigged and who I, I have said the suspicions about that and this and we need to focus on this and that. Oh, this, this thing needs to be as ampli- you know, amplified to the extent possible through all of the outlets that are even-handed, I don't even care if they're not even-handed, they're overtly conservative, honestly conservative, as opposed to dishonestly objective leftist news outlets that we know will do everything they can to suppress the story. And as you heard from Schellenberger, there's a follow-up article that's going to be posted on their outlets, uh, public, which is Schellenberger's and Racket, which is Taibis Today. Joe and Hoffman Estates here on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, good morning. Um, after watching the Democrat win that special election yesterday against Santos by eight points, this election is actually kind of scary. I think the uh, Democrats could actually win it. I mean, women were crawling over migrants and robbery victims to go vote for abortion. Um, I don't think it's just a walk-in for Trump at all. What's your opinion? It's not a walk-in. Thanks nope. for the call. 
public opinion is very fickle. This is the subject of a forthcoming commentary on my counterculture podcast. Remember how uh, George H. W. Bush uh, was cruising to reelection in the '92 mm-hmm. campaign. Remember how um, the co-president from the '92 election was cruising to victory in the 2016 campaign. Public opinion is very fickle, and you're talking about swing voters and swing states who are malleable to be generous. So the uh, the topic I've talked about before, the the prospect that any of these trials that he's facing. Uh, get to verdict and he's convicted of a felony and they have a half a billion dollar ad campaign. We can't put a convicted felon in the White House. That's a wild card. And there's messaging on some of these other issues, including abortion. What bit of wild cards? Yeah, he's up in the swing states. But I mean, but he but he's not he's not he's not lapping Biden the way he's lapped the GOP challengers. Absolutely right. And just so you know, programming note, uh, early voting begins today in Chicago for the March 19th election. Uh-huh. Today. Uh, how much time? More than a month. So, yeah, let's go. Because the longer you have a system open, the more vulnerable it becomes. But well, I mean, these are the sites in Cook County building. Well, are there opposition candidates? I mean, who, there's I no, election integrity doesn't matter if there's no if there's no challenge. There's no opposition candidates. Just the handpicked uh, choices for offices from the established power structure, as far as I can tell. Well, I'm just kind of old school. I like to, you know, voting day. Yeah. And it went from week to month. Now it's more than a month. And then on March 4th, all 50 city wards will be open for voting. Right. I, I, I know. It's fun to pretend like this isn't a Soviet election in Chicago. I guess it's fun to pretend that. Uh, Matt Taibbi, also on Waters, as I mentioned, here's what he had to say about this uh, binder and their forthcoming reporting. It's a difficult story because we, we, we heard multiple versions of what the binder is, how many binders there are. We heard there are as many as three. Um, but we do know a couple of concrete things. We know that only a share of the HIPSI investigation ever got out. Of course, people are aware of the Nunes memo, uh, which led to the investigation of abuses of FISA. Uh, we also we know that there was a report done into the origins of that intelligence community assessment, which supposedly never left a vault on the grounds of Langley. That's like a 17 to 20 page report that was confirmed by multiple sources. Uh, Apart from that, we were told there are uh, numerous other investigative materials that may or may not be these binders that stories are referring to. Uh, but we know that there's a lot of stuff that didn't get out, that there, was, <laughs> that there were thousands of hours of investigation and their conclusions have not yet been declassified. Yeah, we got a long way to go. And uh, uh, Republicans on the Hill should be beating the drum about this. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, and uh, as you heard Mike Scott reporting, a couple of uh, members of the climate apocalypse gang showed up at the National Rotunda yesterday and spread red powder all over themselves and over the casing enclosed in which is the United States Constitution, and then, you know, prattled on with uh, the sort of speechifying you might hear from 
a member of the Socialist Spice Girls. be held account to laws in which we have no voice or representation. This country is founded on the conditions that all men are created for equally and endowed with the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We're calling for all people to have all these rights, not just wealthy white men. We all deserve clean air, water, food, and a livable climate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we're here to launch a rebellion. That sounds like an insurrection. Uh, I hope they get charged with seditious conspiracy by Jack Smith. Give me a break. Uh, but this is what you're dealing with. And you see it uh, where they super glue themselves to sporting the courts of sporting right. events and expressways and so forth. And throwing soup on paintings. and yeah. uh, So they're just sort of the... Um, public-facing expression of the idiocy that a lot of other uh, respectable people subscribe to. This was the uh, subject of a recent Remy parody video. Oh, it's a parody song and video, and Remy's always the best. Remy over at Reason.com, which is why every time he uh, drops a new parody song, uh, we uh, try to accommodate the weird owl of libertarianism. Uh, this is... Um, this little uh, ditty is some, some of our people name, but might, may not be familiar with this. They're not as in touch with the hip hop community as I am. Oh, that's right. Well, uh, this is um, the the title of the piece is "All Oil Everything," and it's uh, a parody of Trinidad James's "All Gold Everything." Okay. The uh, Trinidad James uh, song, in quotation marks, "All Gold Everything," involves the pretty gratuitous use of the N word. So Remy steered clear of that. Quite entertaining. Now don't die on me. We'll be at the hospital soon. We just need to drive one more. Yeah. 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 We're here to protest your immoral use of oil. Despite the fact there's oil all of my chain. My chain. Oil all of my brain. My brain. Oil all of my watch. My watch. Don't believe me, just watch. Look a look a look Don't believe me, just watch. Look a look a look Don't believe me, just watch. I got an oil hat and an oil shirt, two oil signs, I'm holding them. I got sock shades and shoes on, all made of petroleum. There's oil in my gummies, so oil in my tummy. My tummy. Oil in the phone I use to call my mind for money. The ink on my sign, all these lenses for my side, all these pants and this asphalt, this glue, I glued my ass all this oil on my chain. My chain. All all of my rank, my rank. All all of my watch, my watch. Don't believe me, just watch. Lugger, lugger, lugger. Don't believe me, just watch. Lugger, lugger, lugger. Don't believe me, just watch. My name's protester too, and people tell me that I'm crazy. But I'm not a bro who's loco, no, it's just that I am lazy. I was sitting at home stoic. My friend called before you know it. He said, bro, get down here quick. They just made sitting down heroic. So I grabbed my old keys, all sunscreen, all wallet, and backpack. And if I reincarnate as a pod, I call the kettle black. I got in my oily EV and slammed the oil paint. All of you through my petroleum bullhorn because there's all all of my chain, my chain, all all of my ring, my ring, all all of my watch, my watch. 
So good. I mean, his his parodies are so good because the lyrics are so good, and he and he's a good singer performer, uh, and the video's Great. fun too. So check it out. I'll tweet it out as we're wont to do. Uh, it's a creative way to remind people that uh, petroleum is responsible for. So many things, so many of modern conveniences, as he was detailing. Yeah. Uh, uh, good stuff from Remy. By the way, so, it, you know, not just the idiot, the idiot protester class, right? Sitting down heroic, as he said. Uh, but uh, all these uh, dilettantes in wealthy suburbs that uh, present a more fashionable version of those fashionable views that you heard from those two knuckleheads at the National Rotunda. For uh, more on all of this, we're pleased to be joined by Rupert Darwall. Uh, he is the author of the book, Green Tyranny, Senior Fellow at Real Clear Foundation. And uh, Rupert, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Pleased to be joining you, Dan and Amy. So um, in addition to uh, Remy's parody raps, uh, we, the, this could be the subject of another one, actually. We have um, more updates on what uh, Western governments are thinking about doing to uh, prevent the climate apocalypse. We had a story out a few months ago about uh, a way to uh, divert the sun from shining on America, build a dome, something Simpsons cartoon style. Now we have this story in the journal uh, yesterday, dumping chemicals in the ocean, spraying salt water into clouds, injecting reflective particles into the sky. Scientists, if you call them that, are resorting to once unthinkable techniques to cool the planet because global efforts to check greenhouse gases emissions, greenhouse gas emissions are failing. So we need to take global evasive action on an um, heretofore unknown scale in order to prevent the coming apocalypse, which AOC puts at about T minus five years now. Yeah, those kind of, that kind of thinking is just absurd, isn't it? When you consider that far more people die of cold than of, of warm, it's just it's 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 absolutely insane, and that scientists are proposing that just shows how off kilter the whole thing has become. Well, um, I know that uh, you recently wrote about um, the net zero. Uh, speaking of. Uh, a fashionable delusion and uh, impact on uh, Britain's energy policies. I mean, we've the West Western Europe uh, maybe is more advanced in terms of um, these uh, idiotic policies than in uh, America, with perhaps the exception of California. So, I mean, maybe just uh, let's delve into the Britain a little bit to give us a, yet another case study. Yeah, I mean, Britain's got. Britain's got sky-high electricity uh, rates. I'd say that uh, households are paying about 75% more for electricity than the average uh, household in, in the U.S. For businesses, it's even worse. They're paying three to four times the, um, the price that 
U.S. businesses are paying. And, of course, that feeds through into, the, into price levels. It also feeds through into your industrial competitiveness, uh, the fact that uh, in Britain and Germany and other Western European countries, basically they're in de-industrializing. So blue-collar blue -collar work, work is going down. Um, we're basically exporting all our jobs to uh, manufacturing jobs to China. So it's, it's pretty much a huge disaster. And it's, net zero is obviously designed to save the planet, but it won't save the planet. But what it will do is destroy the economy, and that's what we're seeing. Well, I know Dan doesn't like to talk about the royal family, but King Charles and Prince William, they've been pounding, you know, beating this drum for a long time. What role did they play in all this? Yeah, I think it's it, it reflects a an elite culture cultural view that uh, that hydrocarbon energy, the industrial revolution, is 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 bad, and we're back to feudalism in a way. It's the, it's the landowners. And it's the super, super wealthy who can do well out of all this. But the rest of the country, the rest of the population suffers. But I think you're absolutely right to draw attention to it. It's, it, it, is a, it is a fixation and obsession of the elite. Right. And um, that certainly includes, and importantly, we need to discuss, you know, the scientists, These the scientists that are always referred to. It's sort of the, the experts uh, is the way that you're supposed to understand that. There's an organization, uh, this uh, piece by uh, uh, Caleb Howe over at uh, Real Clear Politics, uh, organization covering climate now, which is a major driver of climate-related news, encompassing more than 500 news and media outlets that partner with the organization, which represents an, office, uh, an audience of 2 billion people in 57 countries. Its partners include names like ABC, CBS, Reuters, the Boston Globe, the Miami Herald, the San Francisco Chronicle. NBC News and Bloomberg are also partners, uh, founded by Columbia Journalism Review, and we know this very well, um, and in partnership with the uh, far-left publication, The Nation, funded by all these wealthy uh, private foundations like uh, the Rockefellers, Rockefeller uh, Family Fund, and, and others. So, I mean, that is a huge... Uh, number of media outlets that it's partnered with across the globe, uh, all the big old legacy media, and as you can sort of into it, covering climate now is all about aggressively pushing the climate apocalypse storyline. That is absolutely right. They are part of the what I call the climate industrial complex, and you have these foundations who are basically buying up the media, media coverage of, of climate change to stoke alarmism. But there's another side to that, which is the suppression of dissent on the Internet. So you have outfits that uh, go and rank uh, websites, uh, news, news and, op uh, and opinion sites for supposed climate disinformation, so they get pushed further down the Google search rankings, they get demonetized and so forth. So always remember the other side. It's not just, the, it's not just stoking the alarm, it is crushing and silencing dissent, which is in, in many ways even, even worse, in my opinion. 
Well, so, I mean, you, you know, there's been a sort of a, a market reckoning uh, in in America with respect to EVs, despite the push, despite the subsidies, despite the job owning from D.C., where you have uh, big rental car companies that are selling off their EV fleets and uh, the percentage of EV ownership as a percentage of overall automobile ownership in this country is actually on the decline, despite all of the, the push and all of the financial incentives. Um, and so um, one wonders uh, what the response should be from those who are trying to, um, you know, middle the issue of being a good steward of our natural resources, as most reasonable people want to be, but not losing our minds and our industrial economies in the process. Because, you know, you, 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 as you well know, with the kind of politician we're talking about, if the people don't do it willingly, they're happy to impose on them the mandate that they do it even unwillingly. Yeah, that's a very good point you're making, because forcing if you're having to force people to buy something that they don't want, there's something gone very wrong. And you see it not just with EVs, but you also see it with um, the, with heat pumps that are meant to, to replace gas and oil fired central heating and water heating so if if government if if politicians are, are resorting to force that is one red flag but i i have to i don't see there isn't in my view a trade-off between saying well we're good stewards of the environment and therefore we're going to go for evs we're going to have lots of renewable energy because those things are bad for the environment they are incredibly resource intensive mm -hmm. you have to to make a a battery you have to you have to dig out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of of, of tons of of mineral to to make that battery for for wind power and solar farms you have to cover um, hilltops and and the countryside with very intrusive wind wind farms and solar farms which just help which destroy the environment they destroy bird life they destroy they kill bats and there are hundreds of thousands so i think it's really important to understand that environmental stewardship involves opposing these frankly these monstrosities that destroy the environment well it's also an ice man. i just drove through france the luxembourg belgium the netherlands and i could not believe how many wind farms that there were and are they producing any energy because you'll have a 16th century beautiful farm and rolling hills and then boom these monstrosities that you speak of yeah it's it's it, they're also they are environmentally bad they're also very bad in terms they're very inefficient ways of gener generating electricity and that's one of the reasons why uh, British Britain's uh, electricity costs so much is because we have so much uh, wind power. Wind power has to be subsidized. And you, ha you basically have to have not just the wind turbines, you also have to have the backup when the wind's not blowing. So you're paying twice over for your, to, to, to gen generate electricity. So not only is it bad for the environment, it's also really bad economic. It's bad economics, which is one of the reasons why um, Britain and Europe are, are doing so bad. Their economies are basically stagnating. He is Rupert Darwall, senior fellow of the Real Clear Foundation, author of the book Green Tyranny. Also, check out his report I just uh, mentioned in our conversation over at Real Clear Politics, The Folly of Climate Leadership. Rupert Darwall, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. 
It's news, opinion, insight. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Amy, you're a uh, proponent of healthy aging, right? Yes? Start no? again. I cannot hear you. My headset's just went out. You're a proponent of aging in a healthy fashion, healthy oh, aging. yes, 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 of course. Yes, yes. And uh, that, uh, that includes what? Uh, what? What's necessary to age in a healthy fashion? Uh, it consists of eating. It don't overeat. Exercise on a daily basis if you can. Stay active. Like yesterday, I played pickleball at the Elk Grove Pavilion. Doing new things, trying out new things, and getting enough sleep and taking care of yourself. Yep, that may be fine for a honky like you, but it, <laughs> it doesn't work for black people. Oh, really? Contrary to popular opinion and accepted wisdom, healthy aging is a measure not of how well we take care of ourselves, but rather how well society treats and takes care of us. Healthy aging has to do with society. It takes a village to age in a healthy fashion. Is there a term for this? Well, there's a term for what's happening to uh, black Americans. And uh, we introduce you to another one of these sort of marginal academics, uh, largely ignored for most of her career, and appropriately so, who now, in this era of idiocracy, is finding uh, newfound influence and audiences. Good uh, investigative report by John Murawski, our friend over at uh, realclearinvestigations.com. Arlene Geronimus. Arlene Geronimus. In 1986, when Jesse Jackson Sr., not a reverend, and healthcare leaders were decrying the crisis of babies having babies as a pathology in black neighborhoods. Arlene Geronimus contended that teenage pregnancy was a rational response to urban poverty, where low-income black people have fewer healthy years before the onset of heart problems, diabetes, and other chronic conditions. She uh, coined the term weathering, which has now become a foundation for the social justice ideology, or the new Marxists, as I would say, and is now influencing medicine and social policy. In fact, it was influential in a lot of COVID policy over the last three years. It just wasn't uh, leveled up for public consumption. Weathering. Weathering. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. You can also reach us on our text line, 64636, type in DA, then a quick comment. Uh, Weathering is the result of the chronic stress of living in an oppressive white-majority society that causes damage at the cellular level and leads to obesity and other health conditions, resulting in a shorter life expectancy for black Americans. Don't make up excuses. The Weathering Hypothesis uh, identifies middle-class assimilation and professional striving within the quote-unquote American creed of hard work 
as silent killers, silent killers of people of color. Writing in Harvard Public Health last year, living life according to the dominant social norms of personal responsibility and virtue is not universally health-promoting. On the contrary, if you're black, working hard and playing by the rules can be part of what kills you. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. 64636-DA, turnkey.pro text line. Seems like they're just trying to make up an excuse for being lazy and not working out and not taking care of yourself. Uh, Is that too insensitive of me? Am I being a fattest? Um, yeah, I think their agenda is beyond that, beyond rationalization. As I said, it's insinuated itself into policy, just as critical race theory has. I mean, this is sort of a, uh, a corollary to it. Uh, as Murawski reports, Geronimus's hypothesis, this weathering hypothesis, the foundation of many policy decisions of the White House's COVID-19 Health Equity Task Force. In New Hampshire, the governor's COVID-19 equity response team issued a report and recommendations in 2020 citing weathering and, quote-unquote, racial battle fatigue as documented and established realities of American life. Impact? Weathering was recently extended beyond American people of color and accepted as evidence in federal courts to win early release of non-white detainees, some as young as in their 30s, who are deemed to be having prematurely aged and therefore at higher risk of COVID-19 complications. This theory is being used to get criminals out of jail sooner if they're black. Uh, Ian Kingsbury, uh, we've had him on the show, director of Do No Harm, whose uh, organization is trying to keep identity politics out of medicine and is losing Uh, He writes about this. uh, Judges and other policymakers look to academic journals to be authoritative and trustworthy voices on what evidence and what is science, what is evidence and what is science. And so you sneak this stuff in, weathering, and unfortunately, as far as a lot of people are concerned, you've created knowledge. Um, There are some academics that are recoiling at this, but um, again, it's... uh, Insinuation continues. In a 2023 book, Weathering the Extraordinary Stress of Ordinary Life in an Unjust Society, Arlene Geronimus, she'll fit right in with Robin DiAngelo and Ta-Nehisi Coates and Ibram Kendi, a.k.a. Henry Rogers. I mean, these are the new intellectuals in an anti-intellectual age. In her book in 2023, last year, Weathering explains why Martin Luther King Jr. had a damaged heart of a 60-year-old when he was assassinated at 39. Why Fannie Lou Hamer died of breast cancer and complications of hypertension at age 59. The trauma of being black is one one reason why tennis great Serena Williams had life-threatening blood cots at the age of 36. She writes, I'm quoting Geronimus again from Murawski's piece, success comes at a spectacularly high health cost for those who have to fight the hardest to achieve it in the context of a society that doesn't value them. Structural violence is insidious, pervasive and faithful. It's the fundamental cause of weathering and is entirely ignored in the age washing narrative. 
Age washing. Oh, my God. We I mean, got that now, too. Right. It's stress isn't racist. Stress doesn't just focus on black people. White people are stressed out, too. Hispanics, everyone's stressed. The number one cause of death among black Americans? Heart disease. Right. The number one cause of death among white Americans? Heart disease. Right. The number one cause of death for women, not breast cancer, heart disease. The number one cause of death for young black men? Uh, shootings. Murder. Murder. Sorry. Victims yeah. of violence. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Uh-huh. And by the way, um, that statistic, that uh, black men 18 to 35, death by murder yeah. statistic, is one of the reasons that black life expectancy is... Um, uh, a year and a half lower than it otherwise would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was it compared to where you used to live downtown compared to Inglewood? Right, like Inglewood. Expectancy. This this would be an example of weathering according to okay. uh, Miss Geronimus. Uh, excuse me, Professor. Right, uh, right. The 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 largest disparity of any two neighborhoods in the same metropolitan area in the country, Streeterville, where I lived, the uh, life expectancy ninety. Inglewood, seven miles away, 60. Don't ever forget that statistic. And this is, but, but, but wait a second. I don't, this, we're all aligned and oriented toward uh, uplifting and we need to focus on and the identitarian politics is working so well. Okay. Uh, weathering science measures various, bi- science uh, various biomarkers of what is presumed to be psychological, psychosocial, I should say, stress, cortisol levels, uh, and allostatic loads to, to make the case that on average black adults are as much as 10 years older biologically than white people of a comparable chronological age. But um, it, it turns out to be really complicated. Uh, there's other academics that are quoted in Murawski's piece that basically say, look, this is a hypothesis in search of uh, supporting evidence, and I haven't found it. Even in uh, one University of Chicago academic who did a joint research project with Deronymus. This is w- hypothesis. This is just an ideological disposition masquerading as science is what this is, which is nothing new. But um, it's not God, the imprimatur of science with respect to health. So it implicates what the medical profession may or may not do which should frighten the hell out of people. Conversations you have to have with your doctors these days, the political influence in medical decisions. Geronimus compares the uh, African-American experience of living and working among white people to the fight-or-flight adrenaline rush of a prehistoric human fleeing a cheetah. Except she says that a 21st century black person in majority white society is trapped in that high stress mode all day, every day, without reprieve, resulting in a flood of stress hormones that dysregulate the body. Uh, Stanley Goldfarb has been writing about the politicization of medicine for years former dean in Ivy League Med School. The problem with the theory is that these hormones and these stress responses don't know what skin color you have. Oh, right. We're all humans. Right. Uh, the point is what's unique about their stress. The point isn't their stress that the stress is bad. The point is you decided that your stress is unique and different from everybody else's stress. 
well, sure, because I've got this hypothesis and I need to come up with some academic sounding rationale to convince policymakers to uh, use it to inform their policymaking. Again, that's a University of Chicago academic, Professor Kastner. Weathering is a hypothesis still in search of definitive evidence. I've never seen one study, including my own, where it's definitive, where it's a definitive study that this really is a smoking gun, that racism or prolonged psychosocial stress causes adverse health co- outcomes. That doesn't matter. Onward, it moves through the academy, including med schools, to public health agencies. Greg, Northwest Side. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Amy. How the heck are you doing? Good. You know, I haven't had a drink in about five years, but after this news, I'm me. I'm kind of tempted to do it again. Oh, no. Don't go um, <laughs> hey, it seems that smoking has been replaced with blowing smoke up people's butts. <laughs> um, if, if, if there is a problem with aging in black people, um, I'd like to cite just a couple that I know, Thomas Sowell and Clarence Thomas. They must... Uh, must be the white face of weathering. Um, <laughs> and by, and by the way, uh, in geology, weathering is kind of what happens when you stand out in the rain all day long like a rock and don't do anything about it. Um, yeah, so that's what, she, way, that's what she's saying, that this is, this is erosion over time by living in this oppressive white society. That's exactly why she used the term weathering, is to connote the erosion that you're describing. Yep. Has she, she thought about going inside? Um, anyway, right. right. Thanks uh, for the call, Greg. Appreciate it. Um, on exercise, Amy. Yes. Since you brought it up, exercise can be beneficial. Writes Professor <clears throat> Geronimus. Exercise can be beneficial, but wait a second. Hold what? on. What gym memberships are too high? What mm. you can always walk. Walking a black side. person considering taking a run will be unlikely to fret that Ahmed Arbery was shot to death while jogging because he was black. Oh my. And she continues, how can a black person relax in restorative sleep knowing Breonna Taylor was shot to death by police as she slept in her own apartment? White society is out to get you. Can't even take a jog or go to sleep without uh, the white man coming for you. That's very professorial. That's really steeped in, in persuasive evidence, scientific evidence. The data and the science. Right. Sure. Okay. Tony Southside. <clears throat> Good morning, Dan and Amy, my lammy lamb. So I understand it. I get it. As a middle-aged white man myself, I've been known to give people like priapism, erectile dysfunction, agitation, anxiousness, stomach ulcers, diarrhea, constipation, loss of appetite, dizziness, insomnia, headaches, and idiopathic subaerotic senselessness. So I get it, man. I really get it. You forgot bleeding out of the left earlobe. Yes. Uh, Tony. It happens later. Yeah, Tony on the south side, you should come with a warning label. Uh, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, Kevin in Austin, Texas. Yeah, I think it's about weathering. I think it's about whether or not you live in a democratic society or, or you're governed by Democrats and whether or not you take responsibility for your own life and whether or not you have a relationship with a higher power. Uh, good uh, little uh, homonym there with a different kind of weathering. Very good. Uh, Maurice and Berwin. Uh, good morning, Dan and Amy. Um, I'll use my, use my own sociology. Um, but Dan, if you take anyone who's poor and black 
at a certain uh, economic level and compared to someone who's born white in Mississippi and did the same biometrics, it would be the same thing. And maybe if they can gear it towards, like, hey, uh, they both need social economic support, it could be the same outcome. Being poor and black and being poor and white is kind of the same thing, i got to be honest with you. Yeah, exactly. If you, if you don't have access to uh, good food, if you can't jog, God knows where I came from. You couldn't jog around the block. You were just running. Um, you, get my, you catch my drift. Yeah. Um, it, it's, the same, it's the same outcomes. And, and that's the biggest conversation that we send in this out in this country that is denial to uh, health care, uh, fresh foods, all those things. That's what people really need. Well, uh, not, but not, good conversation. Not, not to mention, not to mention, I mean, um, the personal responsibility piece, you know, the choices that you well, have. Correct. Cho- correct. Choices, if, you're, you know. if you're eating crappy food, if you're smoking, you're drinking, all the same things. Correct. Right. Yeah, right. Thanks for the call, Maurice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Like, this is Maurice from Berwyn's perfect example. Like, you know, here's the observable truth, and here's an academic theory why the you should ignore the observable truth and just, uh, you know, join in this delusion because this delusion is the path to power. The observable truth is the path to personal responsibility. Those are the choices. But this gives you a rationale to pursue power and to absolve yourself of the need to be accountable for the choices you make. So it's pretty attractive in that way. Not to mention it feeds the white man's burden of most elites, the identitarian politics of elites. I'm you know, doing something to uplift. I'm striking a blow against the patriarchy and so on and so forth. So it has those attributes, which are more important to those in charge than actual positive outcomes for those they pretend to represent. Anthony and Joliet. You know, these ridiculous nutjob theories uh, are so outlandish that most normal people just wave them off as, a nutty proposals, but unfortunately become more endemic and uh, in our uh, culture and society at large. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for the call. And uh, can impact the quality of services that you can access at some point. I mean, this is all going somewhere, right? This is not just, um, uh, you know, sort of debating society topics uh, in an ivory tower on some college campus. As I said, this this uh, crackpot theory informed COVID-19 policy at the federal and state level. Just for example. Jack in Northwest Indiana. Yes, I have my own theories. Um, and full disclosure, I have zero background. Um, on this topic, which probably makes it more aligned with this professor's uh, background as well. <laughs> but after 60 years of great society programs and failure after failure, whether it's public housing, food subsidies, what have you, instead of looking at that and saying, let's revisit what hasn't worked and why, it just seems Democrats can never look back and say, we need to revisit and change course here because it's not working. Because that, as you said, changes the dynamic of the power struggle, changes the dynamic of an industry where people have made significant monies over years because they put forth this whole 
you know, race-based hustle is what it, what it amounts to. It's an industry of hustle. And they won't look at that. They'll continue to blame and continue to fester this open sore in this country for decades to come. Thanks for the call, Jack. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. The stories you need to know to start your day. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. To uh, paraphrase writer and author Andrew Sullivan from a couple of years ago when he said, we all live on a college campus now, talking about American culture. Well, um, we all live on a college campus on a border town now. We all live on a college campus on the border now. Uh, White, excuse me, West Whiteland, Pennsylvania in Chester County. Little hamlet of 18,000. West Chester, uh, Chester County, Pennsylvania, that is. Border town now. The uh, ABC affiliate there reporting. Police are starting to notice a new trend. Recently, they have been busting groups that are stealing large quantities of merchandise, and they say the suspects are in the country illegally. The latest theft unfolded at this Alta on February 1st. We've obtained video from inside the store that shows two men walk inside both with distinct white patches hanging from their back pockets. Two males come in. Police say they helped steal $2,000 worth of merchandise. They were identified as Albert Terralba Jordan and Caviar Gilarte Campos, both from Venezuela, and police say both entered the U.S. illegally. They're taking advantage of, you know, coming to the United States and committing these crimes and uh, being able to disappear to some degree. West Whiteland Police Detective Scott Pizik has noticed a trend in recent months. He's identified at least three of these groups where the suspects cross the border illegally. Over the last few months, we've had what we call South American theft groups. The United States saw a surge of illegal crossings at the U.S. southern border, hitting record highs in December before falling a bit in January. Even though the border is nearly 2,000 miles away, police say it's having an impact here. In June, this man was caught on surveillance at Coles and Exton. Police say he stole $17,000 worth of merchandise. The Peruvian national was arrested and deported in the fall, but he's already but he's already back. Yeah. 312-642-5600 turnkey.pro answer line 64636 type in DA then a quick comment. I'll tell you I don't like uh Venezuelan caviar. That's for sure. Oh. Did you catch the guy's name is caviar? Yeah. that's rich uh anyway um yeah so i mean this is not inconsistent what we've seen in chicagoland i I wonder when this starts to register with the uh suburban and exurban populations in a meaningful way it's obviously registering in west whiteland pennsylvania but i mean we've uh, brought the stories about the retail theft going on in oak brook at the mall uh the retail theft rings that uh were busted up in lake county uh, is it is it do you think it's starting that aspect of it is starting to resonate beyond the corporate boundaries of urban centers at this point? Three one two six four two fifty six hundred turnkey dot pro answer line. Well, I got to tell you, in Lakewood, Colorado, they had a city council meeting last night uh, and they unloaded because the mayor of Denver wants to send more illegals their way and they don't want any of it. This transfer station, which is going to turn into a money pit. 
and a magnet for every criminal that's coming across the border. Don't we have enough problems in Lakewood without importing them from Denver, who is saying, yeah, Lakewood, you're stupid enough to take all of them. Take our problems, you dummies. It's a money pit. And you guys are responsible for our money. Don't screw it up. This is going to be a money pit. Can't you guys think five minutes ahead? Do us a big favor and just quit. Get your sorry butts up and leave. Any city resources, time or money, focused on non-citizens necessarily steals from our infrastructure, schools, security, and human services. And we are already doing our part as federal taxpayers. And Colorado Springs. Dan, this county, I mean, they voted they, by 18 points. They Biden won this county, I should say, by 18 points in 2020. So hopefully the residents remember that this November. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. I wonder if that's, you know, the, the what the penetration is in terms of not just the public safety issue, but the uh, resource allocation issue. I mean, I, I haven't. A combo of both. I mean, they're claiming well, yeah. that there's prostitution, crime, drugs have been brought to this quiet, peaceful town, and it, they're destroying everything. Well, but 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 that's. Uh, do you get the sense that that's the what you heard from that wet gentleman, that one gentleman in Lakewood, Colorado, about you know, clear the board, get out of here. Don't yeah, don't screw it up, and why don't you just resign? Is that an attitude that's emanating from? the leafy suburbs around Chicago? I don't know. I mean, I mean is there, again, I, 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 the, the looking for the signs of revolt. And I, and I know what I'm going to hear. Well, it's going to come at the ballot box. No, I don't think so. Not if there are no visible signs of rebuke coming from the populace locally. No, it won't come from Chicago. It won't come at the ballot box. And and also, too, it's this idea that we should we just ship them down to Chicago. We just, you know, pass them through if we've got a metro station or we've uh, had some fly drop offs in places like Kankakee with bus drivers telling them this is Chicago. We just you just get them down to Chicago, Chicago problem, and we can continue uh, enjoying uh, subscription to the stylish views that we have about open borders. Because, you know, Illinois is, I mean, when it comes to the expenditures that that Lakewood dude was talking about, Illinois began offering taxpayer-funded health care to illegal immigrants two years ago. And so, and you know, we're, 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 I mean, as Ted Dabrowski at, at uh, Wirepoints will tell you, we're well north of a billion dollars spent. Just on that aspect of it, just on the taxpayer-funded health care for people in this state uh, illegally by being an extension of being in this country illegally. California expanded its Medicaid program to cover people regardless of their immigration status. Next year, undocumented seniors will become eligible for the state's food assistance program in California. New York announced the pilot program offers prepaid credit cards to migrant families for food and baby supplies. Eligibility for a separate welfare program that dispenses cash payments was modified recently to include the undocumented. I mean, at the federal level, uh, Senator Tommy uh, Tuberville from Alabama has been talking about this that, and others, but that veterans are being displaced at VAs right. in favor of 
migrants, people here illegally. Remember the Army-Navy game? Military members, family members who went to go see that game, they had to be vacated from those hotels to make room for migrants. Uh, When's enough enough? Tuberville, they opened up care from the doctors in these VA community care systems. Lines on the VAs are getting longer. Our funds that are supposed to go to the veterans are going to illegal immigrants that are coming across. And again, this is not you don't provide health care care to people in need or people that are suffering a health emergency. Of course you do. It's the global policy of saying, come on in and all these benefits await. And and in places like Illinois and New York and California, they're real. They may not be real in Lakewood, Colorado. They may not be real in some of the suburbs around Chicago that are pushing them to the city. But, um, you know, the the people that are in this country that that uh, intend to do others harm, like these retail theft rings and worse, um, they're not bound by the corporate boundaries of the city of Chicago or the city of New York, as we've seen. And I just wonder if this is getting internalized in a meaningful way by people other than those that actually pay attention, and remember, which, unfor- which unfortunately is a small fraction of the electorate. Right. John Miller on CNN saying they're stealing, you know, these Venezuelans that beat up that cop. They're stealing from New Yorkers and then going to spend the money in Florida, then going back to New York to steal again to spend their money in Florida. And why they're not spending, you know, why they're not robbing people in Florida as much as New York is because they know that they're going to have to go to jail. They'll have to pay for their consequences. And yesterday, your governor, DeSantis, he has a new plan. Right now, we have a situation in Florida where you only get a felony if you do five different retail thefts within a 45-day period. Well, excuse me, um, you should, I mean, you shouldn't do it at all. But if you do it and get caught, you go back to the well again, they should drop the hammer on you. Yeah. One of the um, illegals in New York City that was part of the mob that attacked the two NYPD PD police officers. Yeah, this is... Released without bail by uh, D.A. Alvin Bragg, same guy who's prosecuting Trump in this ridiculous business records case. He was just arrested for again, not Bragg, unfortunately, this one of these uh, migrants, just arrested again for looting New York City Macy's and assaulting a security guard with a group of illegals. What? He should be deported. What the heck is going on? And then another guy that beat up the cop, the sanctuary church, they paid his $15,000 bail to be free. This Reverend Juan Rio said, you know, our church is basically a sanctuary. We assume people are innocent until they're proven otherwise. Fine. And he um, says there's a lot more to this story that we don't know. And so they paid for his bail. So here's the intersection of, uh, again, all these blue state policies, New York and Illinois, being the most obvious here, even excluding California in this one because of the no cash bail, even more comprehensive in Illinois than in New York State. But this is the intersection. Now you're the the importation through open borders and then the public security, excuse, excuse me, the uh, uh, public safety deterioration that's inevitable. And then now overlay that with the lack of interest in a serious criminal justice system in places like New York City, Chicago, New York State, Illinois. It's a real one-two punch, but are, are people feeling it? Got a text message, Dan and Amy. There's approximately 1,000 illegal aliens in Whitewater, Wisconsin. Border towns are now everywhere. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. right. So, so and, But again, 
what's the community response? What's the feeling out there where you live that there's something afoot, there's a real reaction to this? This is going to boomerang on the power structures in those cities and states? That's not what I'm getting. Candace in Mount Pleasant, Wisconsin, speaking of Wisconsin. Good morning. Wait until the dollar is almost worthless. Then, and they try to implement this digital dollar. Um, cartels will try to say, um, hide their money, and so people will be a commodity, like your kids. Did you guys see that kidnapping, that attempted kidnapping in Florida? Yeah, I did. Like at a Walgreens? Yep. Oh, my God, Amy, was that scary. I mean, yep. look how fast this could happen. And if that father had not been there, that kid would have been gone. Yeah, because the mother That's was on her cell happened. phone walking out, being oblivious. Which yeah. She will, I don't think she'll ever do that again, Candace. Yeah, so I think that's what's going to start happening is that people will become a commodity because they need cash. They need money, you know? Thanks for the call, Candace. Um, here's a part of the response that I'm talking about. When the road stops here, oh God. It's so poetic. I know. Do we need music or something? They're, they're, so, they're so smart on the North Shore. When the road stops here, I mean, it's Robert Frosty and so wonderful. Oh. Coordinating the North Shore's humanitarian response to the migrant crisis. February 27th, 6.30 to 9, St. Francis Xavier School in Wilmette. Join us for a nonpartisan, of course nonpartisan, nonpartisan interfaith community-wide event to learn more about the buses arriving in the North Shore from Texas and how our North Suburban communities can come together to respond. Featuring speeches from local faith leaders, civic groups, elected officials, and an interview by Sandra Torres of Telemundo, with some newcomers themselves. Oh. Feel free to attend, but please register newcomers. But be, uh, please register below. Bring a, a donation of a new unopened uh, hygiene item, gift card, or Ventra Transit card. Particularly the Ventra Transit card, because what we're going to do at uh, when the road stops here yeah. is we're going to bring them in, welcome them. Thank you for stopping in Wilmette. Here's a Ventra card. Here's a MetroPass. Get on that train and do not come back. Maybe we could be pen pals. Maybe not. I mean, did you see, like, you know, I can't taking... miss you if you're not in Chicago. <laughs> I can't miss you if you don't go away. Um, in Boston, you know, they're taking people in. This one oh, lady yeah. took in three Haitians, and she's really pleased because she is a new cook. <laughs> yeah. No, I she mean, said I... it's great because they're cooking for every night. What? I mean, I guess, you know pay off exactly stay in my husband you have to cook for me well i mean there's nothing more enlightened and welcoming than indentured servitude <laughs> that's what i always say dan and amy chicago's morning answer listen to dan and amy on your smartphone download the am 560 mobile app today at 560 the slash mobile this is chicago's morning answer with dan proft and amy jacobson on am 560 the answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. I wanted to get our next guest take on this because uh, for my counterculture podcast that uh, just posted on Tuesday, I interviewed um, the former science editor for the New York Times, also a science reporter for Nature and Science Magazines back when they were reputable. Nicholas Wade, we've talked to him on this show before, too, back in the day during COVID. But he had this piece in City Journal recently about a uh, report 
that has been, you know, dutifully ignored with respect to COVID origins. And it uh, comes from documents that were obtained by an organization called U.S. Right to Know and analyzed by a reporter there. Uh, and, it, you know, the, the short of it is there was this proposal submitted to DARPA, the Pentagon Research Agency, for a $14 million grant to enhance SARS-like bat, uh, bat viruses. And it was, a, it was names that if you follow COVID, you'll recall Peter Dajak, Ralph Barrick, and um, the scientist, she, at uh, the Wuhan Virology Lab. She Zen Lee, if I'm remembering her name correctly off the top. Uh, anyway, DARPA rejected the proposal. Didn't fund the grant request. But then the perception is that she, even though she's a collaborator with these Americans, by the way, DAJAC, EcoHealth Alliance, good relationship with Fauci, good relationship with Collins, funded by NAIH before with grants. And Barrick is sort of, I guess, a well-regarded virologist here. Um, but so when the, the group couldn't get the DARPA funding, um, perhaps Wuhan Virology Lab went on its own, got Chinese communist funding to do on their own what they were going to do together had they gotten the DARPA funding. And uh, we find from the documentation, a way to recounts all this in some detail, that the security at the Wuhan Virology Lab was not to the standard that would have been applied by like a Ralph Barrick if he was involved in the project. Mm -hmm. It was substandard. That's been reported too. There's certainly questions been asked about the security at the Wuhan Virology Lab. But then, and, and also too, we, without getting into too much of the technical details, the way that a synthetic virus is, like this is constructed is consistent with the actual COVID virus that was at the center of the pandemic. So it essentially has all the earmarks. It is not structured in a way that is consistent with anything ever before seen occurring naturally. So a lot of circumstantial evidence. In fact, some are calling this the smoking gun that the uh, virus originated in the Wuhan Virology Lab. And again, whether you think it did or you didn't, or you say, oh, of course it did, you know, we know this now. Well, we don't know this. We don't know this for sure, and we don't know this in a way that people can take it and hold the Chinese Communist Party accountable, as well as our own people, because the question to me was, well, wait a second. Why would Fauci and Collins and Barrick and Dajak be flacking for the Wuhan Virology Lab and the Chinese Communist Party, if uh, the, the researchers at the Wuhan Virology Lab did this on their own and did it in a way that was substandard in terms of uh, precautionary measures, why would they flack for them rather than come forward and say, we were going to do this together, we didn't get the DARPA funding, she obviously went on her own, and we have all these problems, and we think it's more likely than not that this is the source of the outbreak, and now we have to have a discussion. And if you didn't want to say that publicly, you thought, oh, I don't want to go beyond my, my pay grade, well, then you report it to the political authorities who then can raise these issues in a political context. So why would, why would they flack for the Chinese communists and their researchers 
when they weren't seemingly in bed together unless they're in bed together in a bigger, uh, more substantial way. And that's somewhat unclear, although you can certainly offer suppositions. For more on this we're, and other related matters, we're pleased to be joined again by Alex Berenson, author of Pandemia, How Coronavirus Hysteria Took Over Our Government Rights and Lives. And again, uh, sign up for his substract, substack called Unreported Truths, alexberenson.substack.com is the substack. Alex, thanks for joining us, and appreciate it. Of course, it's a pleasure. So, um, I mean, I'm sure you're on top of the, the same thing that Nicholas Wade was. I mean, do you have a perspective on the origin story and why, if this reporting per the documents that uh, U.S. Right to Know obtained is accurate, why are people ostensibly, would be flacking for the Chinese Communist Party when they weren't formally collaborating on this uh, COVID virus engineering? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, look, I think it's pretty obvious. And and I haven't done, you know, the primary source, uh, you know, research. I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't foyed these documents, but I've read, I've read all the U.S. Right to Know stories. And, and I would say I have a, a fairly good understanding of this. Um, and look, it, it it's completely clear uh, that that this leaked from the Wuhan lab. Okay, mm-hmm. whether or not we'll ever be able to prove it, you know, I don't think it was created there. I think they were experimenting with coronaviruses. They were doing gain of function research. We know that. And at some point, they manufactured or or uh, probably probably manufactured is the wrong word, but they they amped up a virus and it got out. And the rest is history. Okay, um, you can see right down to what are called restriction enzymes, specific ways to cut and paste a virus, a coronavirus that were that were listed in this DARPA proposal in 2018. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so and and this is something that came up in a in 2022 when people were looking at the way the virus's genome actually looks uh, and how it seems to have. There's evidence of restriction enzymes, and people said, "Oh no, this this could have occurred naturally." Well, one, now we have a we have an invoice showing uh, that these restriction enzymes were actually bought um, for this proposal. So, uh, I mean, again, short of one of the Chinese researchers coming out and admitting the truth, I don't know that we'll ever be able to prove. Uh, but certainly, we're way past a preponderance of the evidence standard. Um, oh no, I, no we're, question. We're, we're close I mean, the- to reasonable. Day. The circumstantial case is overwhelming. I agree. But but I guess the question is and the, and the, the supposition is in part I get your reaction to this is that even though uh, the American side of this uh, uh, proposed consortium could potentially be clear of culpability in this, it's the more important play is, well, we don't want anything that is perceived to negative that that may negatively impact funding of the kind of gain of function research we want to do and if and if it if it uh, uh, is w- widely understood that this escape from the Wuhan virology lab with this kind of funding that we also sub- uh, submitted proposals to get done then it jeopardizes the bigger play of how we do business generally whether it's on the whether in the far east or at home I think that's where I was two years ago. I think now we have evidence that, you know, certainly Barrick, possibly Fauci, um, that they knew specifically. Okay, so that, that you know, the, the Christian Andersons of the world, the useful yeah. idiots, 
didn't yeah. know. Okay, yeah. they just wanted to protect virology, but but the people most closely involved, uh, as probably as soon as they heard where this had come from, assumed that it had that it had come from uh, work that was related to work that they wanted to do and were doing. And so I, I think I think that's where I am now. I think that's the most likely outcome. Okay, I interesting. To, uh, ask you about the CDC came out yesterday with some new isolation guidelines. So if you test positive for COVID, where they're I don't know at Chicago Public Schools, yes, and then number of our employees, even here where we work, you had to isolate for five days. And they're saying now just treat you know if you're sick, if you have a fever, you can come back within 24 hours. Do you think anybody's going to jump on these new guidelines? Or are we just going to do, you know, was, business as usual? Because it was. Was anybody was anybody testing for COVID? Uh, no joke. Like, does anybody has anybody actually <laughs> been isolating at all for the last two years? Yeah. I, this is, and then I, we really? get an email here saying, you know, reminding people to wash their hands again, and you know, like, and then just tracking where the person was, whether it's in the kitchen or the conference room. And it's not only here; it's all over Chicago, and it's in our schools too. So if a student who's not even sick you know, test positive for COVID because they've tests everywhere, rapid tests. Um, they isolate for five days and that affects a lot That's of funny, cause I, like I, I really wasn't aware that that was still happening in any meaningful way. I mean, to me, it seems we're at a very weird moment in COVID. Um, you know, most people have just sort of forgotten about it. And then there's this rump of people on the left who are all about long COVID. And, you know, these are the people who hope that we would essentially remake society because of COVID. And they haven't gotten over the fact that that didn't happen. And then some, and then there's this group of people who look. I I was against the mRNAs basically from late mid to late 2021 on. I thought it was clear they were failing. I thought basically we had no idea about the long term impact of a third shot, a fourth shot, a fifth shot, and that 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 shouldn't be done for people. But this notion that the mRNAs killed tens of millions of people is just totally unsupported by the evidence. So. It's weird. You get we're in this position now where I think 80 percent of the country just wants to pretend COVID never happened. They're kind of ashamed that they were overly scared. And then 10 percent on the left are crazy and 10 percent on the right are crazy. And it, but the truth is, for some of us, it's important to keep talking about it. If for no other reason that we have this pandemic preparedness issue. OK, the 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 people out there who caused this. Right. By going into back caves and by doing gain of function research, they won't admit what they've done. Right. And they claim that this pandemic that they caused is reason to spend billions and billions of dollars more preventing another pandemic. Let me tell you, the most likely thing to cause another pandemic is pandemic preparedness. And we need to <laughs> prepare for what we're about to unleash. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, but but just on, on the on the vaccine uh, injured um, uh, topic, I mean, it's it's difficult to get a handle on. There was this moment uh, recently we talked about a couple of days ago with uh, Rishi Sunak, the PM of Britain, at a you know a media sponsor town hall, and a, a Scottish gentleman sort of point blanked him and you know said, "Look at me, look at me. You told me to do this. I have a heart condition now." There's another gentleman in the audience that had some other uh, sort of vaccine injury. And also, they, so it was it was one on the vaccine and then two on whatever system they set up, this yellow card system they have yep. through their National Health Service to compensate people. Obviously, that's a bureaucratic nightmare like everything yep. else, government healthcare related. So, so, um, so where are we in understanding 
the scope and the response to the vaccine injured at the federal and state level here? Uh, this, this advert is we're almost nowhere because yeah. we, we know the vaccines injured some people. We know they caused cardiac damage uh, in a lot of people. They cause autoimmune damage. But but we don't know the long term severity. Let's say you got myocarditis is right of the vaccine. Let's say you got um you know, you, you got psoriasis as a result of the vaccine. We don't know how treatable it is, how long it will last. Those are that's work that needs to be done. And no one is doing it. It's in no one's interest to do it. And so instead, the void is filled by these people saying, you know, tens of millions of people died as a result of the vaccine, which is which is also not true. So, I mean, I'm starting to despair that we're going to get real answers to this stuff. Hmm. Um, recently in your Substack. stack, um... You wrote about uh, two of the big pharma companies that you cover during your time at The New York Times. And I, and this is, uh, you know, a couple of decades ago now. I wonder what your perspective is on a company like Pfizer, um, what it was then versus what you understand it to be today, if it's substantially different. Um, no, it's substantially the same. You know, these are they're profit making enterprises. Uh Look, if they can find a drug that's helpful for people and sell it, they'll do that. If the drug turns out to have bad side effects, they're not going to go out of their way to tell people that. Uh, what's changed in the last 20 years, and certainly what's changed with the vaccines, is all the institutional controls on these companies have fallen away. So the FDA doesn't is not doing a good job you know, regulating the, uh, the mRNAs. In fact, the FDA's chief vaccine regulator, proposed Operation Warp Speed. The media, as we know, was entirely the tanks for the mRNAs, and they have complete liability immunity. So there's nobody to stand up to the companies when they lie. And they and they do lie. They will lie. They'll lie about money. They, you know, Pfizer's had multiple uh, civil and criminal uh, charges that it settled for billions of dollars. There's big money at stake here, and you can't trust these companies to behave well. You have to regulate them, which is what we've totally failed to do. He is Alex Berenson, author of Pandemia, How Coronavirus Hysteria Took Over Our Government, Rights, and Lives. Again, his substack is entitled Unreported Truths, and you sign up at alexberenson.substack.com. Alex, thank you as always. Appreciate it. Oh, a pleasure, guys. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. It's what Chicago is talking about. It's Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan and Amy on AM560, The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Well, um, Trump is on the record now with respect to his running mate, at least uh, in the negative. He had uh, this to say at a rally in North Charleston, South Carolina about the prospect that uh, Nikki Haley would be considered as a VP running mate. And remember this, when I make a statement like that about Nikki, that means she will never be running for vice president. She will never be running for vice president. Remember that. There are things you can say about people. Do you ever see where, you know, you're really hitting one person, they're hitting you, you know, but it goes to a level. But we're at the level now, I am in particular, you know, bird brain and lots of other things. There are things that when you say that you're never going to have her, so I hope nobody wants her because I think she's absolutely terrible. She's terrible. So you're never going to have her. Okay. 
Well, I guess that's that, huh? That's it's that. official now? So I, I guess that will allay the concerns of uh, some, including Donald Trump Jr. Um, on the other side, the uh, damage control duty continues, and the uh, personnel charged with that duty is expanding, uh, to include uh, Mr. Tingle. Mr. T- Mr. Oh. Tingle. You remember Mr. Oh, Tingle? Yeah, um, oh, my God. Chris Matthews. Chris Matthews. I knew sure. I can't remember. Uh, he I was tingle uh, up my leg. Hey. Yeah, exactly. He was uh, trotted out to uh, see if he still got the old feeling, uh, give some advice to uh, Team Biden for uh, Joe Obama fourth term. Biden's going to get out there and mix it up. He's going to have to get on the corner and meet people and hang out with regular people and give some speeches and perk people up like Harry Truman did back in 1948. You got to sell. You got to sell yourself. He's going to do it. Now, he may make some problems along the way. He will make more gaps. Of course he will. But isn't it better to have him out there? You know, if I were in the back room with him, I'd, 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 I'd make him feel better about himself. I'd just be just nice to him and encouraging. That's one thing but staffers should do. Encourage the guy. Encourage him when he does something real, really well. He's had a good couple of days, I think. I believe the last couple of days have been good. I, I would encourage him to get out there, and I would tell him to meet people because he's really good at that. You sit next to him on, yes. a, on an Amtrak train, and you know you're with a real human being, a real person. It's really Joe Biden who's sitting next to him. He's a real person, and he has to get that out with people because I'm not sure Trump is a real person that way. He's not really like a regular person that way, whereas Trump is. But Joe Biden is, and I think he should sell it. Oh my God. I've met Trump. He's such a regular person. And Joe Biden getting out meeting people. What was that stunt he did the other day? He brought fried chicken home to and a burgers. black family and burgers. Yeah, well, yeah, he brought it home to well, a not family. Home, but he went into their home with fried yeah, chicken and he did wanted this, to hear about their Yeah, he did his best Sidney Poitier impersonation. I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, regular guy. Yeah, regular you know guy. how you know somebody's a regular guy? He snips your hair. That's how you know. That's right. Um, and uh, so that's that's one piece of advice. Lean into uh, Biden. You know, sold Scranton Joe, the guy, you know, from the Amtrak train. Sure. Um, also uh, enlisted was um, the uh, former host of Captain Kangaroo, who's now the Treasury Secretary, uh, Janet Yellen, who, again, from what she's seen, you know, yeah. th- this is my favorite line of of uh, damage control. You know, he that's behind closed doors, he's Plato. Uh, in front of people, he sounds like he should be, you know, transfixed with play doh. But uh, he, behind closed doors, I mean, what I see. It called President Biden a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. Do you agree with that? I absolutely disagree with that. <laughs> I work very closely with President Biden and I'm often with him on foreign trips. He's at the top of his game. Oh, yeah. Top of his game. Absolutely. Fine. I'm Again, I'm convinced. I don't think we need to sell past the... Speaking of selling, I don't think we need to sell past the close on this. They say he's at the top of his game. I'm fine with it. Uh, let the American public make their own judgment about what is observably true. Michael Goodwin is New York Post columnist, Fox News contributor. He joins us now. Michael, thanks for being with us again. Appreciate it. Good morning, guys. Thank you. Um, how are you uh, receiving the uh, damage control effort thus far since last Thursday night? Well, I think it's a helter-skelter operation. They're they're not sure, they're kind of shadowboxing here because the idea that he, there's nothing wrong with him is preposterous. And so you can't really go there. You can say, oh, in private. Well, 
why is he different in public then? So I think it's this is their immediate reaction to try to put out a fire, which is the Robert Herr report about his memory, about him sort of being, as I said in the column, basically bonkers. Uh, and so I think they're trying to stamp it out with every way they can. You know, attacking her, attacking Merrick Garland for not, you know, censoring the report, apparently. Um, and, of course, anybody who dares to write about it or talk about it, you know, what are you talking about? I was with him yesterday. You know, uh, this idea, I mean, the, the Chris Matthews uh, part that you played, I mean, it's hilarious. Do you want Joe Biden to get out there? Really? I mean, when this administration has spent the campaign of 2020 and the three years since keeping him hidden, the New York Times also had an, an editorial. It's probably where Chris Matthews got the idea. You know, he's got to get out there more. I mean, they're not, interestingly, they're not denying the New York Times editorial board that he's got real problems. They think Part of that is that people don't know him enough, and he should get out there and make more of an effort, do more interviews. Well, don't you think he would if he could? Uh, I mean, I think that everyone is trying to deny uh, all the all the pro-Biden, pro-Democratic ticket people. They're trying to deny the reality that, A, we have all seen, and B, Robert Herr has confirmed in private. So I'm not sure where they go from here, except on the campaign, you just keep attacking Trump because nothing unites Democrats like Donald Trump. And so if you just keep banging away on Trump, MAGA, Trump, MAGA, and of course he's giving them lots of ammunition daily almost, uh, that is their plan. And of course, they saw what happened in the New York special election. Uh, the Democrats picked up a seat there that they had lost in uh 2020. Um, and I think that will encourage them that the uh, a the president's age and, and uh, problems, cognitive problems, and the uh, border issues uh, can be managed and handled in a swing district. Now, it's a district that um, Biden carried in 2020, but that's the year George Santos also run the won the district. So uh, uh, on, on that on that district, you know, how, how much can you really extrapolate from that particular special election in terms of uh, what's ha you know, what it means for uh, the suburbs around the country? It, you can't you can't overdo it. I mean, the, the, no two places are exactly alike. But I think you can read some tea leaves. You can see specific issues, for example, the border and Biden himself. I mean, Tom Suozzi. Uh, who had great name recognition, having basically held the essence of that district has been redistricting, but he held right. most of it for three terms, and he he did he did not seek reelection because he wanted to run for governor. So I think that uh, it, it was a Democratic district uh, historically, both for the presidency and for uh, the local Congress members. The changes along with sort of what was not quite a red wave in, in uh, the nation in the, the last election, in the midterms, but in New York, and particularly in Long Island, it was a red wave, and that was one of the seats that flipped. Um, so look, I, I think that you, there aren't that many races now, so you're looking forward. What 
what guidance can we take from everything, uh, polling, special election, looking forward to November? Trump is in uh, court in Manhattan today, pretrial hearing. Uh, Essentially, the judge there will decide whether or not the trial starts on uh, March 25th as currently scheduled. Um, What's your assessment of the wild card that is the Trump trials? I mean, the others seem probably less likely than not to get to trial before the November election. But the one in Manhattan seems more likely than not to. And so if he is convicted in Manhattan, you know, this is one of the wild cards people are trying to assess. What kind of impact does that have on the race? Uh, you know, my overall view of these cases is that they've probably peaked in their damage to him. Um, in th- this case, I mean, there's something wrong with all of the cases, mm-hmm. right? And in this one is particularly weird. Because it's the Manhattan district attorney who doesn't doesn't uh, convict anybody of anything. I mean, murder is just you, you just had a bad day. Uh, so this case against Donald Trump, it's based on the on the porn star star. They're always stars, aren't they? Uh, Not a star. <laughs> Stormy Daniels and the, the money paid the hush money supposedly paid to her. Now, it's largely based on the testimony of Michael Cohen, convicted perjurer. Um, and the, the idea is that uh, in doing so and in misrepresenting the payment on his bookkeeping, uh, which I guess became part of business filings, Trump committed 37 or 39 crimes, all of which would be misdemeanors. But through some metamorphosis that only the DA himself understands, they all become felonies. Uh, Now, no one in the world knows how that happened. And it's one of the things that say that tells you these people are just out to get him. They Mm -hmm. are just out to get him. So even if he's convicted, I'm not sure of what the impact. Obviously, there'll be appeals, and there's a lot of lawyers think the case will eventually be thrown out. Uh, you know, also have the judge in the civil forfeiture case about to rule, and you have Fonnie Willis, right, testifying in Georgia, I think, today. Uh, so there's a lot going on with a lot of these cases. The Supreme Court is weighing the question of immunity. Uh, and and I and I do believe that the uh, finding by her that not to prosecute Biden on classified documents is another arrow in Trump's quiver. Because why is why am I being prosecuted? He's not. Now the lawyers may be able to make can make an argument as to obstruction, et cetera, et cetera. But I think for ordinary Americans, which is really the the question we're talking about in terms of impact. I think each of these cases has a problem that people can point to, and Trump does, and people can point to and say, it's persecution. It's persecution, it's persecution, it's persecution. And that argument has a lot of, uh, a lot of power among a lot of people. But didn't you think the Biden campaign wanted to campaign on this, just keep Biden hidden and let the court cases take care of Trump? Yeah, look, I think it was... Uh, it's it's not a bad idea on paper, but and and even the Republican opponents to Trump. I mean, I remember Ron DeSantis very early. Um, all of them thought that Trump had about a 
25% solid approval in the Republican Party, and everything else was soft. And, you know, if he was at 40%, then 15 or 20% of that even could be peeled away by the opponents in the primary system. That was the theory of the case that they all had going into it. They knew he was powerful within the party, but they thought the combination of these cases and just uh, Trump running his mouth, that they would be able to peel away and defeat him ultimately in a one-on-one contest. Well, we see what all these indictments did. They actually hardened all of that support that Trump had, and so it became unbreakable. Nobody could peel away any of it, and and he, he has grown. If you go back and look at the polls at the beginning of uh, 23, let's say, um, and compare them to now, the difference is largely those cases that have driven up Trump's approval because People view them as persecution. And as I say, there is logic behind that for virtually every one of these cases. There's something about each of them that says, you this you did this just because it's Donald Trump, didn't you? Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist, Fox News contributor. Michael, thank you as always. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you both. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Connect with Dan and Amy using the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773 467 5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.